This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. What thanksgivings are we giving to God that he can put in his harvest basket? I mean, we're called on to give thanks to God. It says in 1 Chronicles 16, 28, 1 Chronicles 16, 28, give unto the Lord, ye kindreds of the people, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering, come before him, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And Psalm 29, 2, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. See, Is God able to harvest from us our praise for who he is? Or are we just too wrapped up in ourselves to to, to take time to notice who God is and praise him? Is God able to harvest from us our thanks? As it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, or are we just too occupied with our own problems to have time to thank and stop and, 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 and be thankful? Is God able to harvest from us worship, our worship? Or are we too busy admiring this star and that singer to worship God? What does God's harvest basket look like when he comes to us for a harvest of praise, a harvest of thanksgiving, a harvest of worship? When he comes to us, does God leave with a harvest basket that's empty or full? And harvest time, harvest time is a wonderful time. It's a, it is a time to be thankful I don't know about you. When you go and you pick fruit off of trees and vegetables from the ground, that's a time to stop and thank God. You know, when I was growing up, I was always forced to say these Hebrew prayers, so immediately, as soon as I got out of home, I consciously forgot them. But there was one prayer, there's one Hebrew prayer that, that, that we were all, we recited when we ate bread. It has a phrase in it. It has a really amazing phrase and an amazing statement. The prayer, you know, you, before you eat bread, it's, it's Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Hamotzi Lechem Min Haaretz. It means, blessed art thou, our God, your king, 
of the universe. And then it says that brought forth bread. And then comes this really amazing statement, min haaretz, which means from the ground. I mean, hamotzi lecha min haaretz, that brought bread from the ground. That's amazing. That's amazing. Min haaretz, from the ground, from the dirt, bread from the ground, bread from the dirt, bread from the dust. That's amazing. Who brings bread from the dirt? Only God. And it's not just bread from the dirt, but that delicious fruit and that wonderful spectrum of all those flavorful vegetables and herbs. I know. <laughs> huh? It's everything is mean ha'aretz. Harvest time is a trigger time for us to thank God for mean ha'aretz. We should be singing to how, how great God is because of mean ha'aretz. We eat what comes out of the dirt. That's humbling to think that we eat what comes from the dirt. It doesn't grow on the produce shelves of Vons. <laughs> it's mean ha'aretz, you know. They should have that a sign over the Vons Produce Department. Mean ha'aretz came from the dirt. The New York State came from the cow, and the cow ate the grass. That mean ha'aretz came from the dirt. It didn't come from Ruth Chris. You know, it came, it came from the dirt. God wants that fact that he brought our food to come mean ha'aretz from the dirt, to sink into us, to humble us, to show us how we are creatures of dependence. We are creatures that depend on, on him, which is why he made Israel to eat manna that fell from the skies, to humble them. He said in Deuteronomy 8.2, Deuteronomy 8.2, he says, and thou shalt remember all the way that the, the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee and to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Moses said to Israel in Exodus 16.4, Exodus 16.4, then said the Lord unto Moses, behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, and I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or not. When it says, behold, I will rain bread from heaven, the Hebrew reads, lechem min hashemayim. The word for earth is aretz, the word for sky is shemayim. So in this verse, God's saying lechem min hashemayim, he's saying bread from the sky. Today, it's bread from the ground. Today, it's min ha'aretz. But for 40 years, it was bread from the sky. It was min hashemayim. How great is God? How great is God? What, what, and, 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 and Naomi's starting to see this now. And there's this transformation in Naomi from an unthankful person to a thankful person. How do you do that? How do you transform from an unthankful person to a thankful person? How do you do that? Glad you asked. God's glad you asked. Because he put a psalm in the psalms for us just to give us an instruction manual, an instruction how to do that. Please turn. Psalm 103.1. Psalm 103.1. Psalm 103. I mean to say Psalm 103 because the first verse is one. So turn to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. 
This is a psalm, Psalm 103. It's like a song of praise that's unparalleled in its instruction for how to become thankful. So you, so we read, okay, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his, uh, not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercy, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. This psalm is an instruction manual for how to become thankful. What's remarkable about this psalm is that you really see David stirring up his soul here. He's gonna stir up his soul to think about the goodness of God and to give thanks. There's no complaint in this psalm. He's not expressing any sorrow in this psalm. There's no selfishness in this psalm. It's just a process of going from being unthankful to thankful. It's just a process of becoming stirred up to be thankful. And the verses in this psalm are like David is just standing under a waterfall of thanksgiving. Reminds me of a picture, you know, in our last trip, the Creation Museum had to the Grand Canyon, there's this one picture of Jason Payne standing under this waterfall you know, during the, in there, and the water's just crashing over Jason's head. That's what this psalm is. This psalm is like that. The first step to becoming thankful is given to us in verse one. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. When it says, bless the Lord, that's the starting point of thanksgiving. The starting point of thanksgiving is not to thank God for what he has done, it's to thank God for who he is. See, bless the Lord, bless his holy name. It, this is not a float. This isn't something we just float into. We don't just wait until, oh, I feel thankful today. No, no, no. This is an engagement, getting into a gear of all that's in us. When it says, when he says, oh, my soul, when he says, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, he's saying, I have to engage all my thoughts. I have to engage all my emotions. I have to engage all the powers of decision to magnify and praise the Lord. And when it says, bless his holy name, he's talking about every part of God's nature. God's nature is that God is true, God is faithful, God is holy, God is nurturing, God is caring, God is comforting, God is beautiful. And to think about who God is is to become just lost in this wonder, love, and praise of his holy name. For us to do this, is like a, a, a new workout. You ever done a new workout? In the conditioning, conditioning. This is a wor worship conditioning. You know, recently I hurt my back, and when I went for physical therapy, they taught me you strengthen your back with these exercise bands that they had at the place there. So I got some exercise bands, attached them to the doors, and I start pulling my arms back and forth like this, you know. I thought, this is easy, no problem, till the next day. <laughs> my arms are so sore, they're still sore right here. I don't know what happened. I gotta go get an MRI. Anyway, so sore. All I could think of Ken Willardson's T-shirt he used to wear, no pain, no gain. I thought I got the pain. Worship is like a conditioning workout. The Lord Jesus Christ told us what worship should be in John 4, in John 4, 23. He said, the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh us to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. 
He emphasized twice. True worship is all about in spirit and in truth. What does that mean, in spirit and truth? In spirit is like our attitude. It's our heart. It's the engagement of our heart. But just to have a heart to worship, that's not enough. Worship has to be in truth. That involves knowledge. To only worship God in spirit is to be over-emotional, to just sway back and forth and say the same thing. But we need truth. We need knowledge in order to worship God. The truth is the Bible. Psalm 17, 17, thy word is truth. We have to have the balance between emotion and the knowledge in order to worship God. But then he were told, it says in, in verse two, bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. What does that mean? What does that mean, forget not all the benefits? Well, I love to shop at the grocery store. Usually on Sunday afternoon, that's a, I love to shop at the grocery store. You know what the grocery store is for me? It's like a treasure hunt. I go, I go, I look for something new, I'm looking, you know, searching, you know, especially produce, you know, look out, ladies, I'll push you off to the side, I'm gonna squeeze those tomatoes too. You know, <laughs> that's the, it's, it's finding the best, you know. Then comes the checkout stand. That's an intense time for me. Don't talk to me when I'm at the checkout stand. I look at each item. Sometimes I look at that item and I wonder, what fool bought that, you know? <laughs> But I'm sitting there, I'm staring at it, and I'm looking at each item and each, and I'm watching the screen, you know, as it flashes up there, and I'm thinking about each item. You know what that process is? That's a process of itemization. Itemization. What am I doing about it? For fourth thing, I'm thinking, I hate to get, have you ever done this? I hate to get home and say, I forgot to buy that. It was there, right there at the place. I forgot. No, I don't like to do that. As a matter of fact, I have now on my, uh, my iPhone, a list for each grocery store where things just don't forget. You know, when I'm staying in the store, I go like this and make sure. I go. Anyway, because that's a real problem to forget something. So I go through the I go through the exercise of forget not all the items. But it's an itemization. It's an itemization. And when it says in verse two, forget not all his benefits, it's calling us to remember all of God's benefits to us. Now, why do we have to do that, forgetting all of his benefits? Because we forget. We have a problem. We have a disease called forgetfulness. That's our problem. We just tend to overlook the mean ha'aretz, you know, that God makes food to come out, out of the dirt. So David challenges us to itemize. Itemize each of God's benefits and don't forget them. And when we do itemize each benefit and give thanks for them, then we give God thanks for him to put in his harvest basket. When we could ask the question, who's the greatest saint in the world? We ask God, who's the greatest saint in the world? It's not the one who prays the most and fasts the most. It's not the one who gives the most. It's not the one who wins the most souls. It's not the one who's the most patient and the most holy. The greatest saint is the one who's the most thankful and the most praising to God, and the most worshipful. That's what he meant when he says, the hour cometh now when, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in the spirit and the truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. So how would we itemize? How would we itemize all the good benefits that God gives to us? What are the benefits that we are not to forget? What's on the list? We've got it. The first item on the list, verse three, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. The first word is who. Who forgiveth? When we read the word who, 
we ask the question, who? <laughs> all right? It's very elementary. Who is the person who forgave all our sins? The Bible is clear as to who the person is that forgives our sins. The person who forgives all our sins is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it says in Matthew 9, 6, that ye may know, Matthew 9, 6, that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. It says in Acts 5, 31, him, the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ, hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Colossians 3.13, for bearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man hath a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you. He forgave sins as Jehovah Jesus when he said in Isaiah 43.25, Isaiah 43.25, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. And when we read who in Psalm 103.3, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, we are drawn to the fact that it was the Lord Jesus Christ who forgave all our sins. And then the next word is forgiveth, forgiveth. And that brings us to the question, how how are we forgiven? And here the Bible's clear. It explains to us how our sins are forgiven when it says in Psalm 32, 1, Psalm 32, 1, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is he unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity and whose spirit there's no guile. Our transgression is forgiven by being covered. The ark in the tabernacle was a wonderful place where man met God. But inside the ark, inside the ark were the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments are very bad news for man. <laughs> the gospel is very good news for man. The Ten Commandments are very bad news for man because the Ten Commandments are our crime sheet. The Hebrew in the Ten Commandments is very severe. You know, it all starts with low, 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 most of them. No, 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 no. And that's not at all like it sounds in the English, so gentle and almost suggestive. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. It's not like thou shalt not. And okay, that sounds like a good idea. Maybe why not? No, it's no. And it drives us, when you read that, when you see that no, 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 you cover your head for protection. You're in a firestorm. You know, if I ever put up a copy of the Ten Commandments someplace, I'm going to put right next to it Psalm 103.3, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. <laughs> but in the ark, there was the Ten Commandments. In the place where God meets man was man's crime sheet. But over those Ten Commandments was the lid of the ark, and by the lid of the ark were the horns of the ark, and those horns were covered with blood. We are forgiven by having our sins covered with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. The word imputeth is chashav, and it's the same word translated as counted about Abraham. He believed in the Lord. He counted it to him for righteousness. Chashav means weave. When we described before, Betzliel or Choliab, when they wove the curtain for the tabernacle and they wove in those colored threads, they were chashaving, chashaving, chashaving. And when God forgives our sin, he takes our sin 
out of the weave of our person so that he no longer sees our sins woven into us, but instead he sees the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ woven into us, as he states in 1 Corinthians 1.30, 1 Corinthians 1.30, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who is made unto us. If it was in the Hebrew, you would say chashav, woven into us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification redemption. He forgives us by Isaiah 42.22. I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions and as a cloud thy sins. Return to me, I have redeemed thee. He blots out our transgression, just like you take an eraser and he erases them. He forgives our sin by paying the debt for our sins in Colossians 1.14, Colossians 1.14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. It's so wonderful that we are just forgiven. That's such a great, great word, forgiven. You know, there was a soldier who was a deserter in the English army under the Iron General, the Duke of Wellington. And he was about, the Duke of Wellington was about to pronounce the death sentence on this confirmed deserter. But he was deeply moved about it. And so the great, the Duke of Wellington then, he turned to the soldier's comrades and he said, I'm extremely sorry to pass this severe sentence, but we've tried everything and all the discipline, all the penalties have failed to improve this man who's otherwise, he's a brave and a good soldier. And then the Duke of Wellington, he turns to the man's comrades, his friends, and he says, I'm giving you one last opportunity to speak in defense of this man about to be sentenced to die. And there was one soldier, there was one comrade there, and he was so disturbed that his friend was about to be put to death that he spoke out and he said, please, your excellency, there's one thing you've never tried. And the general said to him, what's that? And the soldier's friend said, you've not tried forgiving him. <laughs> and the general forgave him. And it worked. And the soldier, again, he, he never deserted again. And he used his life to show his gratitude to the Duke of Wellington. That's what God did for us in this psalm. This is what God tried for us in verse 3, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Then the word, the next word in Psalm 103.3, all it's, it's as all of our, he forgives all our iniquities, not just the worst ones, but all of them, every last one, he forgives them all. Then it's the word thine, thine iniquities. That drives it home to us. That's personal. It's, we, those are the ones we are 100% responsible for, which is all of them. He became our personal savior when he saved us from our personal sins. He forgave us of our sins what we have done, what we did, and it drives home that, that, that no one can be saved unless they own up to the fact that he is responsible and him alone for the horrible acts and thoughts and words that he is worthy of being sent to hell for for all eternity without the possibility of parole. So the benefit who forgiveth all thine iniquities, that's foundational to the rest of all the benefits that are itemized below. And the question is, are you sure you've been forgiven? As you sit here right now in this room, are you sure you've been forgiven? Do you have the peace in your soul of a pardoned life? Can you personally itemize this blessing on your list of being forgiven in your life? Because without forgiveness, nothing else can follow on the list. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.